Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, your host and author, Caroline Foran. Now, I know I said last week was the end of season five, but I'm actually back here for a brief interlude uh, with a very special bonus episode that I'm doing in partnership with the lovely folks at Nivea. And we are looking specifically at how human touch can be a very effective tool for managing anxiety and boosting our overall well-being. It's particularly relevant right now as we begin to emerge from pandemic life and start to open up and start to be around each other again and it starts to become safe to embrace and hug and touch and and we get to reap all the benefits of what we've been missing for the last over a year I suppose. So in a recent episode I talked about how there is a lot of anxiety certainly for me um, and apprehension around life returning to normal or whatever this new normal will be or however shape it will take. Um, And it's not just a a mental apprehension. There's a bit of apprehension around readjusting our bodies to being in crowded spaces, to being closer to people. We've all been conditioned to, you know, to stay away and we've been on high alert for so long and, and for good reason. But as we emerge from the pandemic and it becomes safe to do so again and it's no longer a threat we're no longer at risk touch is something we should really really strive for and and try and reacquaint ourselves with and it might feel a bit uncomfortable at first I totally get it we're not used to it we're a bit rusty but it's really important and in this episode I'll tell you why so Nivea want to raise awareness and inspire everyone to include a little bit more human touch in their everyday life now that we can do so and discuss how this closeness and physical touch with friends or family members can possibly help to ease the anxiety in this post-pandemic life that we are now all navigating. For this episode I am thrilled to be joined uh, by an incredible mental health expert Claudia Hammond. So she is joining me to discuss the importance of touch on our physical and mental health. Claudia is an award-winning broadcaster. She is a visiting professor of the public understanding of psychology at the University of Sussex and the author of four books, most recently The Art of Rest. In her work she shares the ways that psychological and medical research can help us in our everyday lives. She was also part of an amazing piece of research called The Touch Test, which I'm going to be asking her about here. And that focuses on our attitudes towards touch. Claudia, thank you so, so much for joining me today on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm so excited to have this chat. It's something that we've been... We've been missing out on human touch for so long now, so much longer than we thought would be the case. Um, So can you start by telling me exactly what happens in our brain when we experience human touch? Yeah, so of course, touch all starts with our skin and our skin is packed with different kinds of special cells or receptors. And so some of those will be triggered by, you know, if you were poked with a pin, some by temperature, um, others by damage and that you'd feel pain then. And then this jungle of nerve endings sends messages to the brain. But as well as that, there's this very special kind of nerve fiber that is there just to give us pleasure from touch. And it was only even discovered in the 1990s. And that is responsible for what we might call emotional touch you know those those nice nice touches nice stroking that special kind of touch that makes us feel so good and so that then sends messages to the brain which as long as we like the person who's touching us and and want to be touched can lead to in a way a whole neurochemical cascade of reactions so we think there's probably an increase in oxytocin maybe in dopamine and even serotonin and those are all things that make us feel good while stress hormones like cortisol are reduced. And so that's why we can then feel more positive and, and more relaxed if, if people touch us in a way that we like. 
Wow. So it's not just, you know, a nice comforting idea. It's actually having a, a biological impact on, on our bodies. So it can't be argued with, I guess. That's right. And it has been, you know, we have evolved to experience this kind of touch for some reason. So these, these receptors, they don't do anything else. We don't need them for anything else apart from getting pleasure from touch. And so that, that does seem to be, you know, probably there in order to connect us with each other because connection and cooperation is, is really key to human surviving. That's what I was going to ask you because everything that I look into that that gives us anxiety seems to go back to very much our survival instinct and needing to protect us. And when you think about things that are just purely for pleasure, you think that's just a nice addition that our evolution gave us. But really there you say it does go back to survival if it's got to do with cooperation and I guess being social and socially integrating in, in our tribes and that kind of thing. It's actually very much essential for our survival as well. Yeah, it actually matters. So, yeah, it's often easy to just think all the positive things are just there for a bit of fun. But, you know, evolution didn't want us to have fun. Evolution wants us to survive. So these things you know, matter for a reason. And so they do. They help us to foster good relations with other humans. And that helps everyone survive. So in a recent episode, um, I was talking a lot about um, the apprehension that a lot of people are feeling as the world begins to open up again. And, you know, how normal that is that we've been we've been conditioned to be on high alert for so long. We've you know, had a very legitimate fear response. If we even go outside or we go to the supermarket, we've held ourselves tightly, you know, knowing that we were at risk to the, to the very real threat of the virus. And now that that's calming down, it's going to be a while before, I guess, our brains and our bodies catch up with the fact that maybe it's safe then to be around people and, and then to go even one step further and not just be around people, but but to actually touch people and whether it's a hug or, or just a, a, you know, a, a quick embrace. And for, for our minds not to perceive that as a danger zone, but as something that's safe to do and beneficial to do, do you think there's going to be an adjustment period there? I think there will be because people have had a year deliberately not doing that and deliberately stepping back from anyone who does come too near. If someone sort of invades your personal space and seems like they're about to touch you at the moment, we've got really used to stepping back from that. So I think it will take a little while of an adjustment period. I think the positive thing is that we did used to touch each other and we did used to be very used to that. And we did that for a lot longer than the time that we haven't. So I think once it's safe to do it and people start doing it, it will then seem familiar. It might seem odd the first time, but the second time it will seem much more familiar than if it was something you were starting anew. We have had years and years of, of touching each other and, and feeling the benefits from that. And I guess for people to to get back out there and get touching, you don't want to just go walking down the main street and start hugging everyone left, right and centre. But would you start maybe with even some sort of like self-massage or even hugging just one person that you trust just I guess to, to reassure your mind and body that this is a safe thing to do and before you kind of go into a crowd and start high-fiving everyone and <laughs> <laughs> yes I think it's a really good idea to to hug someone um, that you trust and to uh, hug them in a safe way and to make sure that they're happy with that and I think part of the negotiating around touch in a way, as has always happened, is, is that you need to be sure that the other person wants you to touch them. And I think that bit is going to be even more so because people are going to have different levels of anxiety around it. People have different levels of, you know, fear of um, the virus and, you know, different risk factors themselves and have reacted in a whole range of ways to what has happened. So if you're someone who's less nervous to then sort of, you know, go up and kiss everybody, they might not be delighted. So I think there's going to be a bit of negotiating socially that might be slightly awkward around 
what people are now happy to do and that sort of moment where so do we now go back to when we leave the pub you know kissing everyone goodbye or or don't we and so I think that that will be a little bit tricky but again we will find our way so yes I think it's good to start with with someone where you you know and to check obviously or check that they are happy for you to hug them and hug them I'm interested from a physiological perspective if you were lying down on a bed and you were stroking your own arm up and down what's the difference between that and someone else doing it for you why is it different and why is it more powerful when it's another person yeah it's interesting isn't it I mean it does make some difference um doing it to yourself um and in the research I've been involved with one of the things uh, that we did look at was whether people you know enjoyed putting lotions on themselves or putting something in the bath um and sort of self-care has become something that's important and we found that younger people were more interested in doing that than than older people were but yeah it's not the same as as someone else doing it and you can't trick your brain because your your brain always knows that it is you doing it because obviously your your say your you know stroking your arm your your fingertips tell you that it's you doing it so you've got those two different messages going to the brains and it's it's very hard to to trick it out of that way but what what is amazing about when someone else does it is that we know that it, the right speed you know if i just, just sort of say to you you know if you were going to stroke someone's arm really nicely what speed would you do it we'll all say the same speed and that speed is five centimeters a second and they've done amazing experiments where they um have made a kind of um, robot brush, if you like, that strokes people's skin at different speeds. And they tried it slower and they tried it faster with this automatic machine. And that doesn't have the same effect as if it's at this slow speed of five centimetres a second. And that speed is the thing that seems to um, stimulate these special uh, nerve receptors to give us this pleasurable feeling that we get. And it, it works the same work with animals you know cats say have the same receptors and the same speed works it's the same speed you'd stroke a dog or a cat at that's so interesting so that's more I guess touch with the fingertips and stroking but we hear a lot about the power of a hug is there is that is that does that have a different impact on us when we're actually closely embraced in someone's arms as opposed to being stroked and those those nerve endings being triggered yeah it is different from the stroking and so um a hug in a way is is more about the sort of pressure of, of body to body because you, you you feel them, you push against each other and come together. And it doesn't have to be skin to skin to, to be effective. You know, you, you, it works with your coat on, so to speak. So in a way, that's more about communication and a hug, as we know, or holding hands, you know, can communicate so much more than you can say in sentences. And I remember speaking to some psychologists you know, in the in the uh, very early on in the pandemic, who was saying, well, if when you can't hold people's hands or hug them, what you need to do is explain instead in words what you're trying to say. But there are some situations where only touch can communicate the thing you want to. And I was um, uh, at the sadly at the funeral of my uh, best friend's father during the um, pandemic, and there was a moment where I was standing next to her. It had to be a very, very small funeral at that time. And I was standing next to her and the, the um, hearse arrived and they got the coffin out. And at that moment, what I would have done was just hold her hand and just squeeze her hand. And I was thinking about this, well, I could say all the things, but it means so many things. It means don't worry, you know, um, I, I know this is really awful, but we're here for you. I realise how terrible this must be. And isn't it sad? And wasn't he a lovely man? It's trying to say so many things. And if I had said those out loud, that wouldn't have been appropriate either because we were silently watching the coffin arrive. But So sometimes I think touch will only do. And I think we will start to really appreciate that again when we can do it. 
because it can communicate things we haven't been able to easily communicate. It's so true. I mean, there's often another layer of anxiety people have when they're trying to comfort someone or say someone, you know, you have an anxious friend. People always ask me, I don't know how to support my anxious friend. And they're they're scrambling to try and find the right thing to say or to give advice or to give them an answer or a solution. And someone who's going through a hard time, whether they're anxious or whether it's, it's grief, sometimes they don't need words and sometimes they just need to sit in the feeling but the touch it's like a a comfort blanket that you're you're wrapping them up in you know literally wrapping someone in a hug that they can feel how they feel you're allowing them to feel what they feel you're not trying to solve it or you know get past it and um, so I think it's it's really powerful in from that perspective and also it should help people who are anxious about being in social situations like that of how to comfort someone. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And it does it does do so much more than words can. And as you say, without putting any pressure on people to to feel a certain way, it's a way of just being with people and showing you that you are there for them. Yeah, I'm so interested in this huge study that you collaborated on called the touch test. And so can you tell me what was the, the motivating factor behind this test? What were you looking for? What what were the um, hypotheses that you arrived at it with? And what did you find out? Yeah, so the touch test was uh, created by psychologists from from Goldsmiths University of London, and I I worked um, with them on that. And um, 40,000 people took part from 112 different countries, which means it's now one of the most detailed sources of information about touch and all sorts of scientific papers will be published from this. Really, we wanted to know what a lot of people think about touch. You know, does everyone like touch? Do people have positive attitudes towards touch or not? How does that relate to well-being? How does that relate to loneliness? And what do people think touch is? And how often have people been touched? And we started collecting the data in January 2020, and we finished collecting it in March 2020. So we were doing it just as the pandemic was starting, but in the January-February bit, people weren't missing touch by that point. Um, And it was really fascinating, actually. We found that 72% of people are positive about touch, but the uh, 27% are negative and don't like people touching them. And we looked to see, well, are there differences between these people? And the people who like touch tended to score higher on extroversion um, and openness to new experiences. And the people who didn't like touch were often people who want to be very independent and people who might find it harder to form trusting relationships and have very much had to rely on themselves. And we found that if people had positive attitudes about touch, um, this was also associated with higher levels of well-being and lower levels of um, loneliness. So they seem to be getting something uh, positive uh, from that touch. And it was interesting, the words we asked people, what words do they associate with touch? And the most common they said were comforting and warm and love, which was interesting. And do you think for the people who said that they weren't keen on it, that touch would be, I guess, the remedy for them to to help with those those feelings that it's almost the thing that they don't want to do is actually the thing that will like un- unblock those feelings? I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. I think possibly, you know, if they really don't like it and that's going to be something that makes them feel more anxious, then um I'm not sure that, you know, saying, oh, well, just sit and hold my hand a little, it'll, it'll feel better. I'm going to hug you anyway. will work. I think if people, um, people would have to come to it very gradually. Um, and, and like, and some people, we'd ask people about things like massage, you know, some people just really, really hate massage and the idea of somebody that they don't know really well 
um, massaging them professionally, say. Um, so I'm not sure people can be can be forced into it in a way and then like it. But they have to be open to it, yeah, and want to like that. And we do just differ. So in a way, it's not surprising. It was the vast majority of people who were positive about it. It's not surprising that not everyone likes it, just as, you know, not every, most, many, many people like eggs, but not everybody likes eggs. You know, there are, there are differences. It was interesting that... Um, at the time, so this is pre-pandemic, just over half of people said they didn't get enough touch. So there was definitely a sense that there was a hunger among uh, 54% of people for more touch. But what was nice was that 42% said they had the right amount for them. So that may be a little or it may be a lot, but the right amount for them, which was a good thing to hear. But it was a shame that uh, for some there wasn't enough touch. And uh, research that's been done during the pandemic uh, by others in um in the United States and in Europe has found, not surprisingly, that the number of people hungering for touch has gone up when we haven't been able to do it and that it's something that many of us have missed. And what do you think, um, when we come out of this, the impact will have been, like, what would you expect to see in people who have, obviously all of us haven't had it for so long, would there be, would you see a correlation with like higher anxiety, more loneliness, isolation, and would you be able to link that to a lack of touch as well as just the, the general context of being in a pandemic? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because uh, there is the, always the general context of the pandemic. It means it's never going to be possible to measure those separately. But I think what has been particularly difficult about the whole experience of the pandemic is that the things that might make a difficult situation better, like, for example, when people are in uh, you know, difficult war situations, say, is that what they tend to do whenever they can is to get comfort from each other. And they um, and people who've been in those situations or I, I can remember um, going to uh, Sarajevo to, to make a program and talking to people there about who'd lived through the siege of Sarajevo. And they were talking about how, although they were you know, a, a afraid, what they would do is get together in little groups. And they and they talked really fondly of the nice times they had in those groups. So they had no electricity, but they had little oil lamps and uh, would get together. And of course, the one thing we have not been able to do is to get together or to hug and to comfort each other. And so I think that will definitely have added to the loneliness that people have experienced. Because if there was already 54% um, of people feeling they weren't getting enough touch before the pandemic, then of course that is that is even higher. And I think since we know that touch can help people, we've not been able to have something that might have helped us. It's been such a massive um, tool for me for uh, dealing with anxiety a couple of years ago um, when my anxiety was was so bad and it was you know really really um, prohibiting me from living my life I remember I was trying lots of different things lots of different types of therapies I was going to you know talking therapy I was going down all the avenues trying to put myself back together again and one thing that I did that I would have probably rolled my eyes at because it seemed a bit out there and it was a, a particular type of um, it was called bioenergy healing and uh, it was really just about lying down with a therapist who I, you know, trusted. It was a professional. And they put on this combination of this lovely music that was very soothing to, to the, you know, your your ears but then also combining that with long gentle strokes. I'm sure at that exact speed that you that you talk about there. And really for me it was just in those in that hour session of just being you know stroked from head to toe uh, very gently I entered a state of relaxation that I just didn't know outside of that hour like I wasn't capable of it outside of that hour and I think it was the touch that helped to just 
really downregulate the stress response and just turn off my my stress signals, take me out of my my head and into my body um, and really soothe the parasympathetic nervous system. So for me, it's a very well worth, it's well worth considering as as a technique if you're really dealing with quite crippling anxiety, because often we try so hard to, to solve it rationally and talk about it and think our way out of it. And sometimes you just need to work with your body to just calm it right down. And then you find that then once once you're in that state of relaxation, then you your thoughts calm down as well. So sometimes the touch can lead you there quicker. Yeah. And it's interesting that although uh, a lot of these you know, types of different therapies, there haven't been a lot of studies done on them often. So it's often hard to come across the evidence. But I think it's no coincidence that a lot of ancient traditions have involved touch and that people have been touching each other in therapeutic ways for, for centuries. Um, there is some interesting um, new research. It's only being done with um, animal models at the moment in, in Chile, suggesting that, that actually the touch um, can work almost in advance to buffer you against stress. And so they, uh, they had rats and they stroked them for half the rats for 10 minutes a day uh, each for two weeks. And then later on, if they put them in a more stressful situation, the ones who had been stroked actually could deal with it better and didn't show the stress response that the others have, which fits in with what you're saying about anxiety, because it would be interesting to know how, how long that, that effect lasted on you, if you like. So you felt supremely relaxed at that moment but it may have been that going forward for you know who knows how long that then that helped you to deal with the stress that that came that you encountered later on oh definitely for the rest of the day after it would have had a massive impact on me and yeah I suppose like we, we tend to we obviously want to have the research and the studies that support it but I find that when it comes to anxiety if as long as something is safe and it's you know you're comfortable with it if it helps for you to then regulate your stress response and just bring you back to zero then it's worth doing you don't necessarily need to know you know the proof and the pudding you just yeah if it works for you it's a question of finding out what works for you yeah so if you try out different things and find something that does make a real difference then then as you say as long as it's safe go for that thing yeah and just before I let you go I'm curious about um if you've any insights into people in relationships specifically romantic relationships I mean is there do you think or not even romantic just in general even with a with a co-worker do you think that touching in an appropriate way and um, whether it's a handshake or just a you know a pat on the shoulder do you think that enhances relationships or um, like the absence of it would would keep a, a barrier there yes I think obviously as you say as long as it's appropriate and everyone's consenting and happy with this then um, it, it can enhance relationships and actually in the um, touch test we asked people about we were interested in touch at work and in the workplace and we asked people how they would most like to say goodbye to somebody after a work do and if it was their it all depended on who it was of course if it was their boss they'd rather shake hands uh if it was a colleague um the men also said they would shake hands women said they would hug if it was a woman and they'd like to pat them on the back if it was a man the least preferred way to greet a boss was a kiss on the cheek funnily enough um so people weren't keen on that but um what was interesting all the way through, I thought, was that people people did seem to be saying they, they had the choice of saying nothing, but they did seem to want to touch them somewhere. And we gave people like figures and sort of outlines of the body and they could highlight all the different bits to say where they wouldn't like would and wouldn't like um, being touched. And um, people liked their um, uh, face and arms and back being touched, say, in their, by their partners and didn't mind if that was in, in public. And 79% of people liked being touched by a friend and the bits they liked being touched best on were their arms or upper back. 
which was quite interesting. And so those, I think, are just those those little touches, those little touches of support of kind of, yeah, I'm on your side here. Or I get I get that. Or when somebody just sort of goes up, you, you walk up to somebody maybe at their desk. And if you if you know them well, if you if you touch them. And then, of course, it's yeah, it's all a question of of who likes that and who doesn't and, and whether what the relationship is between those people. One thing that really stood out was that um, uh, a lot of people I've talked to have said that what they didn't like generally was having to shake everyone's hand they didn't like shaking hands and that they wouldn't be sorry if that disappeared yeah I suppose I'm I've always been a hugger and I an unapologetic hugger so maybe I'll need to just be more mindful of, of where people are at and I think we also just have to be mindful that you know even the the most huggiest people among us will probably feel a bit unsure about how to conduct themselves as we come out of this so what advice would you leave us with just for obviously knowing that the, the info and the stats and the research that supports how effective touch can be, but how do we bring more touch in our lives, uh, introduce, I guess, reintroduce it in our lives in a way that's not going to cause anxiety, but it's going to really work with us instead of against us? Yeah, so I think it's always going to be a question of ask before you touch. And so it's about working out what the other person wants to do as well, uh, because it would be a shame if people, once it was safe, avoided it forever. Um, just just because we've had this. I think that would be a terrible shame because it can be so beneficial. But I think it will be a question of, of people just uh, checking and asking. And uh, I used to think, oh, oh you know, when you leave the pub and you have to you know, kiss every single person goodbye, it can take ages saying goodbye to everyone and that that was a little bit of a pain. And now I miss that so much. And I'm really looking forward to to being able to do that because I think it's quite nice to to touch each person individually it's kind of a way of sort of saying yes you you were here and I I saw you I heard you and you know uh it was nice I like you that's a nice thing well I have missed it so much and I'm so looking forward you know with the right people the people that you trust to be able to show my 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 love and my fondness for people without just relying on words um Claudia it's been so interesting chatting to you the research that you talk about is so compelling and the touch test is it's fascinating thank you so much for joining us and for your expertise um, and for shedding light on on how powerful this is well thanks so much for having me and I hope you get to hug quite soon and that brings us to the end of this bonus episode of Owning Is the Anxiety podcast in partnership with Nivea. I learned so much from this myself. I'm so grateful to Claudia for her time and her expertise. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you've come away understanding a little bit more about the benefits and the importance of human touch as not just something that will boost our mood or enhance our well-being, but maybe actually really become a helpful tool for, for down-regulating our stress response and easing the anxiety that we're all trying to manage better and um, as is the whole goal of, of the entire Owning It series. So thank you so much to Nivea. Nivea cares beyond skin. To find out more about Nivea's hashtag care for human touch initiative, visit nivea.co.uk forward slash human touch and enjoy when you get back out there and you get to have a nice cuddle or have your, your head stroked or a nice massage and reap all the lovely rewards that I guarantee you will come from it. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you as always for your feedback, your reviews and for sharing it with anyone who you think might find this series helpful. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.